Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. Phil has such a nice voice, I could listen to him forever. So manly, so good. Hey, so guys, grab your Bibles. Uh, I'm going to get right to it today. I had some fun stories. I haven't told them in a while. Uh, but uh, man, we're running low on time. I'm going to skip my fun stories. I'm going to get right into it. Grab your Bibles. Open them to uh, Mark chapter 2. It's an amazingly important uh, passage of Scripture that we need to get to there. Um, this morning, I'm uh, titling this message, uh, Resting with Jesus. The, the, uh, the rest of this year, um, I'm preaching on Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, all of my sermons have been on him. Um, and we have to be squared away with who Jesus is, and we have to be enamored with him. And he must be our focus, our treasure, and our everything, or we are not living the Christian life. Uh, Jesus is not an example that we try to follow. He is our treasure or he's nothing. And so we, we must know him and, uh, and we must know the, his person, his character, but also his invitation. And one of the things that Jesus invites us into um, is into his rest. Um, the, the rest of God is an ancient path that barely gets walked on. Um, they don't necessarily teach this in many of our schools, I know I didn't learn it. I learned how to parse Greek verbs, but I didn't understand ever what Sabbath was. Uh, remember, I, I grew up hearing stories of missionaries who left their kids, didn't even know their kids left their families, and went and shared Jesus with people dying early uh, because they exhausted themselves, and we call that spiritual instead of a tragedy. And, and I, I believe that God is calling us not just to, to moments of revival, but lifestyles and a genera- generations of encounter. That the, the legacy and the heritage that we have today that we're going to pass on to our kids is they're not going to see us burning up and going on fumes and dying early, but they're going to see us into late age, enamored with Jesus and in healthy rhythms where we know how to just give him away as a lifestyle. Do you know that? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of my favorites, he was called Honey Lips because of his ability to articulate the amazingness of God. But he died at 51 of exhaustion. He started a school. He had the first megachurch in 1800s England before there were sound systems. He just had a booming voice. But uh, he died early, and I wish he didn't. There's so many people, so many people go down through. One of my, I was encouraged recently to study the, not just revival, but the stewardship of revival. And it's interestingly enough, since 2019, I've been studying revival. But I set my heart to looking at the stewardship of it. And one of my favorite revivals is the Welsh revival. I don't know if you know this, early 1900s, a man named Evan Roberts was at the, at the you know, the leading the charge for the Welsh revival. He's uh, in his 20s, and he's leading this charge. And and, uh, in a year, there's over 150,000 documented salvations in a year. 
at a small, no-name town in Wales, all right? Um, the, the miracles that were happening in this place were astounding. Um, uh, Evan Roberts never prepared for a sermon. He had two sermons that he just preached over and over and over. Number one, he had one sermon to non-believers, and that was come to Jesus. And they had one sermon to believers, that, and that was be filled with the Holy Spirit. And those are the two sermons that ran the Welsh Revival, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people coming to know Jesus, but it only lasted, it didn't even last two years because Evan Roberts went crazy. You know that? And I don't, I don't say that, I'm not saying that facetiously or I'm not joking around about it. I'm actually gonna read a quote here. Robert's greatest weakness was his white hot intensity. He simply could not bring himself to take seasons of rest and refreshment. Barely any sleep, nonstop work, equal to nervous breakdown. And he became a, a recluse after barely a year of ministry. I, we, we must readjust how we see discipleship and how we see the church and how we see. Thank, you know, being in ministry myself for over 20 years now, um, there, there's a lot of, people get very encouraged when they see me busy, they get really angry when they see me in Florida. <laughs> We're not paying you to go to Florida? Okay. Well, interesting. <laughs> I remember I was, uh, well, I, I, I won't go there. It's just, just I'm not going to transfer my pain, you know, so. But, but the, the thing is, like, we have it backwards. When people are exhausting themselves and shortening their lives and making themselves less powerful, we celebrate that as holy. But when people are resting well, so they are ministering from a full tank instead of fumes, we, we look at that as a bad thing. And I want to I wanna be a pastor to my dying day. I never want to retire from God's call in my life, ever. But I do, in order to get there, I, I want that to be in my 90s. I want to have a, a great mind and a great heart. And I, I want to be happy until I step from this world into the next. Happy in Jesus. Happy and blessed in who he is more desirous of him than I've ever been. But the reality is that we're trained that the bulk of the energy of the, per, of the church is, is put out getting people to a gathering or getting people to a destination. But we don't really know what to do with the people once they arrive. I, was, uh, I took my family golfing uh, yesterday uh, to the driving range, actually. My son Ethan is great. He's just bombing them 300 yards. And then, but my wife and my daughter and my daughters didn't know how to golf, and so they're looking at me who doesn't know how to golf. <laughs> and there, there's other people, they look like professionals to me, and they're just bombing it out there. And then here I am taking, I, I'm, I'm with them, I'm, I'm just whacking at this thing. I, I'm hitting dirt further than balls. And my daughters are looking at me, and I honestly think when we get to, when we get to some areas of, of spirituality and spiritual formation, what it actually is to uh, live after Jesus, our leaders have been trained just to get people to gatherings, but they haven't been trained to help people walk out a life that is in the presence of God all of their days. So Jesus here in Mark chapter 2 has a magnificent word for the religious of their day. And I'm just gonna read it to us. One Sabbath, he, that's Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they, this is starting with verse 23. 
One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, the disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Okay, so, so according to the man-made traditions of the day, you can't feed yourself. Like, doing this, too much work on the Sabbath for the Pharisees. And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in Eden was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence. Like that was, I, we, don't, we don't know much about this today. We don't, this, these aren't the most popular sermons of the day, but wow, is this important? Okay, study up on this one. And he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him. And now here's the part I really wanna focus on this morning. And Jesus said to them, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is, is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, Sabbath, rest, this, this stuff that is extremely important to Jesus and actually important to Pharisees back here, but they had perverted it and they had gotten the cart before the horse, so to speak. They were using the Sabbath. With the, the word Sabbath just means rest. I'm gonna get in that, into that in a moment. But they were using the day of rest to serve it. And Jesus is like, once again, your legalism and your pharisaicalism has gotten your life backwards. I didn't give you the Sabbath so you could serve it. I gave the Sabbath to you so it could serve you. That's how I wired you. That's how I made you. Now, if we, if we look at the Sabbath, we, we, um, and the word Sabbath basically means to rest, but we, we see the, the first instance of, of Sabbath being in the creation account in the book of Jesus, when, uh, in the book of Genesis, <laughs> Jesus was there, uh, but uh, in the creation account where, where God is creating the heavens and the earth, everything above them, everything under them, anything that ever has been or was, Jesus created. Okay, and in six days God created, then the seventh he rested. Now he didn't rest because he was tired, because he can't be. Okay, so God wasn't, wasn't resting because he was exhausted. He was resting to put rhythms in motion into creation that would help us rest well. Okay, so God built into the way the world works, Sabbath. And when you skip Sabbath, the, the, the world begins to fry. Just like, I don't have a boat, but I've heard that some boats, the, they can't run. The engines can't run unless they're in the water. So if you try to start them outside of the water, they'll burn up and they'll fry, all right? If you try to do life without biblical rest, and by biblical rest, I don't mean binging Netflix, all right? <laughs> I don't. All right? Closest thing to that is maybe a, a Lord of the Rings marathon, and that would be biblical. All right? <laughs> I don't know. If you want to go to more advanced levels of spirituality, watch Braveheart 12 times. All right? So... <laughs> But what, what I mean is we, we, have, we have spiritualized and contrived a world and we've built a world where you do the opposite of this. And God made the world with rest in it. Do you know that, that there is Sabbath in every day? You know that? It's called nighttime and daytime. All right? And so there's different seasons where, there's, where the night is longer than the day, and there's other seasons where the day is longer than, than the night. And we've got out of rhythm with these things because of smartphones and TVs where we're, we're living off a few measly hours of, of sleep, which is very good for the mind and the body and everything. 
And we actually, we actually have built the kind of life where we're doing the opposite of what Sabbath does. But there is nighttime that is Sabbath and daytime that's time to work. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not good to work. It's great to work. I'm saying that when you work, operate from a full tank, not on fumes. That's what Sabbath does. There's seasons in a year. Agriculturally, if you do not give fields Rest. If you, just, if you just plant corn and plant corn and plant corn like we do here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you just plant corn. And eventually, that field, is, is you're going to rob it of all the nutrients unless you give it Sabbath. Unless you give it some time off to regain nutrients. You will rob the soil of the nutrients and your corn won't be good, and you will rob your life of the same thing uh, if you don't. Now, his, historically, Sabbath was the seventh day, so it was Saturday. Um, today, uh, many times we uh, celebrate our Sabbath day as, as Sunday. Here's why. It's because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday, and so the church gathers on Sunday, but I wouldn't really consider our Sunday Sabbath necessarily these days. All right, We may worship as a community gathering on a, on a Sunday, but we don't really understand what Sabbath is, and so that's what I'm gonna press into a little bit more. I do wanna say this, though. You, uh, don't be like a Pharisee arguing which day should be the Sabbath. In the New Testament, where we're free from the law, and where we realize that the Sabbath was just made for us, pit, we have to work Sabbath into our life, not be bound to days. Okay, and so for me at, at the at the office here at Providence, the staff, our Sabbath day is Monday. Okay, it's Monday. This is not the day where we're pouring out and we're serving and we're, we're going hard. It's not our Sabbath day. Even though I encourage all the staff to take good naps on Sunday afternoons, just because you take a nap, it doesn't mean that it's Sabbath. So Mondays are Sabbath day. So if you're angry that we're not in the office, and I called on Monday and nobody followed up with me, um, that's because it's our Sabbath day, and we will not apologize for resting well. All right, that's the culture we're trying to build here. But many of the rules in these days, and, and Jesus is it's running up against the Pharisees, and many of the Pharisaical rules in these days were man-made. All right, and we're missing the heart of God. And what happened is Sabbath became a ruthless taskmaster instead of a beautiful, life-giving resource. Now, listen to this. I just want to read this to you one, one more time. Verse 27 of Mark chapter 2. The Sabbath, Jesus says, let's get this in, and let's get the, the, the horse before the cart, so to speak. The horse pulling the cart, so to speak. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God's original design was that one day per week would be used to serve his people, where they would get refreshed, where they would get restored, where they could refocus. Those are three good words. I want to press into them for a moment. I want to talk about the word refresh. Uh, Many, like I said before, many legalistic traditions actually see tiredness uh, associated with godliness. And we say, hey, I... I've only had two hours of sleep. I've been up praying. <laughs> a really good biblical um, response to that would be, man, I love that you're praying. Make sure you get a nap before you do anything else. You need to rest, all right? We, we have to stop using our spirituality to impress others, and we just have to be okay just being with Jesus without anybody knowing. Walk humbly, friends, all right? So God actually wants you working. Listen, God wants you refreshed, working from rest, not for rest. 
Now, what they teach you uh, today and, and who they are, I, I don't know. I'm just saying they, all right? But, but, but word on the street is you work your tail off, you work hard, and then you go on a vacation. But maybe I, I just came back from a vacation to Florida, all right? And uh, uh, I came back needing a, a rest from my rest, all right? It wasn't, re- it wasn't relaxing. It was great memory-making stuff. We've got great friends down there. Uh, but it wasn't relaxing necessarily. It, it, it wasn't necessarily rest. But we, we are, have it ingrained into us that I'm working hard and I'm saving so I can go on this trip one time a year. But that is just not enough. You need rhythms, not vacations. Rhythms of life, not vacations to make you full and overflowing and not roaming, uh, running on uh, fumes and then spiritualizing it. Uh, many times we feel good about ourselves, when someone says, how are you doing? And we say, busy. We have to stop acting like that is good. Amen. We have to. We, that, that is not good. So busy, no time for anybody, especially Jesus. And we have to start be, having our hearts actually refreshed. So we started uh, on, on Monday, I think it was, or Tuesday, I think it was, a, a prayer room here at Providence, which is in stage three, which is, this, is the, this has been the dream at Providence for, since 2014. Um, and uh, we started a prayer room, and, and Nick and Rose Rector, man, are, are just some of the most beautiful people to my heart in these days. And God sent them here, um, and they just started from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock, Tuesday through Friday. We might do Monday, too, uh, but just a time for ministry unto the Lord and just coming and being in the prayer room. That's it. Someone with a keyboard singing to God. Someone with a guitar singing to God. Just sometimes no music, just silence. And that type of, that type of lifestyle, see, going home and binging on Netflix won't give you deep rest to your soul. You might take a nap and that's good. But the kind of rest that Sabbath wants to get to is not just give you naps in the physical, but actually refresh your heart down deep in. And what would really, what should happen is if you binge watch Netflix, that your soul should be disquieted and upset. And we need to learn what it is to actually have a heart that rests with God and knows how to just be with him and drink from him. Sabbath serves to do that. And Sabbath also serves to refocus. Sabbath is not just zoning out. Sabbath is actually resting in. Many times when we, we zone out, what happens is, is we have pain and we have stress and we have anxieties and we have worries. And so we grab our phone and we do this to zone out so we don't have to think about that stuff. But what Sabbath actually does is it creates moments where you are forced to think about that stuff and welcome God into it. Instead of just avoiding it for a moment, God actually wants to deal with that stuff in you. And sometimes the only time to to handle that is when you get quiet and when all you have is you're distraction free, just you and Jesus. There's not even a tone. There's not even a sound. And you say, Jesus, I've got stuff that only you can handle. Jesus wants to deal with that. He wants to refresh you. He wants to refocus you. He wants to restore you. Don't you love Psalm 23? That 
He restores my soul. What's, what's that like? I feel so stressed. I feel so wild. I feel so frantic. I feel like 10,000 pounds emotionally on my shoulders all the time. I don't, that, I, the restored soul sounds neat, but most people talk like that's bad. Like, show me how it's good. God, God wants to restore. Now, I heard this quote this past week, and it was this, that if your pain is not trans, if your pain does not get transformed, it gets transferred. I found that to be true. As a dad, I, 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 oh, I hate that. Because I look into my kids' lives and I say, man, my kids are frustrated and irritated and bothered about things that I'm frustrated and irritated and bothered at. And instead of, instead of having a healthy space where I've actually taken this stuff to God and I've had God transform it into something healthy, I've actually passed it on. And so I, many of us, if we don't know Sabbath and we don't know what it is to actually have hearts and souls like restored, not like once a year, but in, in daily rhythms, what happens is, is a lot of the nasty that we deal with, we just end up giving to other people. Man, and, and I, I could preach the rest of my message like, you know, for, for hours on, on how that happens in the church and in family and in life and in social and in work and all this stuff where we, where we just leak our, our pain out and out and out and we try to make it look good, but it's not. And God wants us to get tired time with him where we say it's just you and me, distraction free, and I want to welcome you into this, and I want you to deal with this. I would say this, that Sabbath actually helps you get to your pain and, and helps see things that would poison you actually be restored. Zoning avoids pain, but Sabbath actually helps us to press into it. Is that good? See, let me, let me say this, that here's what Sabbath is not, is Sabbath is not rest when all the work is finished. That's not Sabbath. So listen, let me, let me welcome you into like ancient heavenly wisdom. It's never all going to be finished. <laughs> There's always going to be something to do. All right, and if you're a to-do list and you just have to, a to-do list person, you just have to check it off, that listen, there's always a list somewhere. There's always, when you wash the dishes, then you're gonna need to, you know, mop the floor. When you mop the floor, then you're gonna have to plan for this. And this is never going to stop. What Sabbath is, is deciding that there's a time in my day where I'm going to stop and trust God with the rest. And where you just say, God, I didn't get everything done that I thought but I'm not gonna jip our time together to do that. There will always be something to do and Sabbath is trusting God with what did not get done and just resting that he's got you, he's sovereign in, in your life and it does not all ride on your shoulders. Just learning to rest in him. Now, Sabbath is so important. I, I told you about Evan Roberts. Love to see what could have happened with his life. He made such an impact in not even two years. Love to see. Interestingly enough, he was preaching at his dad's funeral years and years later, and it's like uh, currents of electric were going out into the crowds. You can still see the anointing of God on his life, but he was fried, fried. But here, here's why I'm sharing that, is that Sabbath actually helps us to steward God's move. And I really, really, really believe that God wants to move here. I really believe that God wants to, to move in me and in you. 
I, I want to see wild stuff happening. I want to see just like tear-filled eyes. I want to see just hearts exploding in adoration to God. I want to see broken people coming and being restored. I want to see all of that. I want us to see us actually have some family fun on this hill. It shouldn't be illegal to want Spring Grove to have a little fun in these days. What is there to do? Come on, Spring Grove. Can't even drink good coffee around here. We want to change that. We, but let's say people, let's say we provide good coffee to Spring Grove in South Central Pennsylvania in this area, but we're stressed about the way that we do it, and everything's riding on our, on our shoulders. That is not the heartbeat of Jesus. That is not the kingdom of God coming to earth. That is, that is, that is what I mean by being a business church, driving a machine, and weighing everything on our hearts, and everything's about strategy and planning, and ugh. And that's the kind of place you want to run from. I know I do. Cannot do that anymore. <laughs> Cannot do that. We have to train people how to just live in the presence of God, not ha how to have a good business meeting. So when I talk about Providence being a family, not a business, a lot of people get concerned. I, I just mean that we're after Jesus and we want to lead Providence the way Jesus leads his kingdom, not like executives leave, lead corporations. Because they are different. The bottom line is not money here. We're a Jesus church. And the bottom line has to be Jesus. Jesus, what's, what's in your heart for us? We'll do whatever you say. Do whatever you say. Now, G here, let me tell you what's in Jesus' heart for us. It's his invitation. Actually, if you flip over to Mark chapter 6, starting with verse you know, 30, you'll, you'll find that Jesus' heart is this. The apostles returned to Jesus and, and told him all that they had done and taught. Was you know what? Awesome! I've used you in wonderful ways. You've got stories to tell and you've got testimony. You know what we need to do now? We don't need to blow this up on social. We need to steal away. Look at verse 31, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. This is, this is the invitation of Jesus. When, when it feels like, man, we need to go public with this, Jesus says, not yet. I want you to readjust to my heart. I want to just be distraction free in the desert with you for a little bit. And I want that to be the way that you do life. I encourage you with a few things here. I think the day and age in which we live, we have forgotten the great gift of just being bored. Everything is entertainment. Like, you can't even, you can't even drive to the grocery store without having to flip on a movie in the minivan. And we're, we're training our kids that. But the reason the kids are learning it is because we as parents would rather have zone instead of pressing into what's going on in the van. And we're, we're training it. We don't, we're so stressed that I just need seven minutes of silence. Let's watch SpongeBob. <laughs> Leave me alone. Oh, hey, play that out over a few decades and it's not holy. That's it. I, I, I think that there, if some of you don't know what to do, I would say free up 30 minutes of time during, you know, 9 to 11, come to the prayer room and sit there bored. <laughs> Just sit there. Go home. Find a quiet spot. Remove all electronics from it. 
all right? Remove everything. Your phone, like, listen, if people need you, they'll find you. Just get rid of it. Just every excuse, every tone, every timer, just get it all out and say, these 20 minutes, I'm going to sit here, and if I don't know what to do, I just don't know what to do, but I'm going to welcome the Spirit in. Just learn, just learn how to be bored. I will say this. Um, that we have to focus on taking our pain and taking our stuff and getting it healed. That's supposed to happen in the church. You know, you're not going to be good to others if, if, you're, if you've got a hurricane in your heart. You're, you're, you're going to leak your pain on them. And so soul care ministry at Providence, this isn't like, this isn't like a thing. I, I get nothing for saying this. I just believe in it. I believe sometimes you go to a, a counselor that, that helps you with this. And that is very important. And many times we need that. But sometimes you go to a counselor that helps you with this. And we've been, we've been taught that when you've been hurt by your stepdad and what he said, or you've been hurt by your mom and what she said, or we've been hurt by your teacher and how they embarrassed you in front of everyone, skirt it under the rug and just move past it. But you don't move past it. It remains. You don't move past it. What you have to do is you have to go back and you have to welcome Jesus into that and you have to say, heal me of this or it's gonna be like dynamite in my life. I'm gonna be explosive everywhere. It's gonna get worse as I get older. And you have, to, you have to, in your quiet time, you have to say, God, what is that that has been planted here and would you heal me of it? Um, God's calling me to do more of prayer and fasting. And in fact, if we could do one thing at Providence in these days, it would just be prayer and fasting. I know that's two things, but they're, <laughs> all right. Prayer, fasting, and how they go together. In fact, um, I, I'm, I'm looking at the calendar right now and when can we do like a 40 days of prayer and fasting as a church? How can we, how can we learn to walk in rhythms with God again? So what, what is this? I think many times when we're bored and we, we, when we're just spending time with God, like this thing that's been built into us, it, it begins to speak to us and it begins to speak a message. And the message is this, we're not going anywhere. We're not getting anything done. And we can't handle that, so we have to get up and do. We, ha we have to get up and do. Well, we've, gotta, we've, been, we've been trained to learn how to go from A to B. Hey, I, I've read lots of church books on this. Getting your church from A to B. B to C, just get them down the road. What is that? Do you, know that? do you know that a sailboat, if it wants to go anywhere, it has to track with the wind? You know that? It's called tracking. And it never goes from A to B like this. It goes like this. Sometimes it goes backwards to go forward. It's wherever the wind is blowing is where the sailboat has to go. You know that? And so you eventually get to your direction, but it's not a perfect line and we have to learn how to just say, we have to track with what God is doing in moments. And if it feels like we're going backwards, so be it. Our goal is not to get to the next thing. Our goal is to enjoy, be mesmerized and magnify Jesus. And he's just not impressed with our getting it done. He's just not impressed with that. Get it done. Jesus, help me to do this and help me to do that. Help me to do this. Well, why don't you ask before you set goals? That's never in my heart. You're not tracking with the wind. You're running wild in an unhealthy way. So I have a dream for myself and my family in this church 
that we would experience revival for the long haul. Not puffs and blasts here and there and pretend that's great. But I want to see 150,000 people come to Jesus, and then I actually want to see them discipled and grow. I don't want to fade out and fizzle. You know that? When I was baptizing people last week, dude, I was a basket case emotionally. I'm, I so love people just, <laughs> just jumping in. I love people saying, I am, I'm, I've given my whole life to Jesus. I'm not ashamed. I love that. But as a pastor, do you know what I'm thinking too? Besides, I'm soaked. <laughs> Besides, we'll never recover financially from the Providence merch hit we're taking here. <laughs> what I was thinking is, Jesus, I love this, but I really want these people to grow up to maturity in Christ. How do you want to do that? How do you want to do that, Jesus? You want, to, you want a verse? If I'm obsessed with one verse, here it is. It's Colossians Chapter 1, 28 and 29. I, first of all, I said a verse. I know this is two. I know. I'm, I, I'm not good at math today, guys. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm going to back up, man. I'm going to be a rebel. This mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we proclaim, that's Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Why do we... Proclaim Christ? Why do we warn everyone in Christ? Why do, why do we teach everyone about Christ? And why do we do it with all wisdom? Because we want to see people mature in Christ. That's why. And look at verse 29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. So he's, he's resting not in his own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit. But he, there is a toiling and a struggle to get there. And he's not toiling. He doesn't have a goal of planting 70 churches in the next five years. That is not his goal. His goal is that the people in the churches would actually be mature in Jesus. And this is the kind of church I want us to be. And we have to figure, we, we have to figure this out on how to do this. Because how church has been set up, seeker-sensitive movements and all that, the whole thing is to make you comfortable. But if you go to the gym and stay comfortable, you never get stronger. So the goal is not to be more comfortable. The, more, the, the goal is to get so uncomfortable that you grow in Christ. And so those types of churches usually aren't the, the big ones, but they're the hot ones. And I would rather be hot and small than big and cold. I don't want to be the gathering of the frozen chosen. I want to be the, the wild about Jesus. So these are days. So here's what I would love to do. I would love just to, one of our music ministers just to minister to you for five minutes. Five minutes just to play. And I know that some of you need to go and you need to pick up your kids. And that's fine. But some of you have five minutes to sit and do absolutely nothing. Just do absolutely nothing. Guys, guys, it is not that complicated. Sit. Do nothing. Except commune with your dad. Except, when is the last time you felt a holy affection? When is the last time your heart skipped a beat, a love beat? And you could actually say, man, I'm lovesick for you, Jesus. When is the last time you felt the liquid love of the Spirit pour over you? What happens is we don't create any space for that. And then when we don't experience it, we call it whack. We call other people weird. But when Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening, 
was experiencing weird stuff and taking flack for it, he wrote a document that basically said, why aren't you experiencing what I'm experiencing? When did safety ever become the norm? When did, when did not having holy affections ever become the standard for what is normal in the kingdom and not? So I just wanna give you a few moments. I wanna leave the stage in a hurry and I just want you to take five minutes and see what God does in your heart. If you need prayer, prayer team's gonna be right here. If God's leading you to pray for somebody around you, do that. We just have to learn what it is to be the church, amen? It's just, it's just, it's, we have to track with the spirit. It's, it's, it's not this, it is crazier than that. And so Heavenly Father, we just welcome you. You can do a whole lot in a, in a short moment. So we just welcome you right now, just, just in these moments. Maybe this will be a, a quiet moment that we haven't taken and it, we, don't, we don't know when. And we just, we just set our hearts to you. We set our hearts to your move. We set our hearts to what you want to do. We, we declare right now that you are what's best for us. You are who's best for us. In fact, I just want to read this right now. Just like put your, put your heart in a place of, of resting in God and just listen to this. Let me start this right out. Just, just, just rest in this truth right here. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Father, just do your thing. We love you. We want you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.